Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 105 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and I hope you had the happiest and merriest of Christmases. I cannot believe that this is the last episode for 2020. Looking forward to seeing you all in 2021. And this episode that we're ending on is just so incredible. It's such a beautiful example of the ups and downs that we can go through as reproducing women and how this journey has its highs and it has its lows. And that being the case, I do want to let any of you know who are struggling with this or who have experienced something and have concerns about listening to it, that there will be discussion of miscarriage in this podcast. It is a truly moving story, but I do like to make sure that everyone knows that up front, if you are at a place in your pregnancy where you feel vulnerable to that information, you're welcome to come back at another time for that. But I'm so thrilled to be sharing my guest Alyssa's story with you today. Before we dive into the episode, I do have a few quick little things I wanted to mention. The first one being, if you are enjoying this podcast, would you mind just taking a moment to head to Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen, and leave a quick rating and review. That is so helpful to the show, and I am so grateful for it. The second thing I wanted to mention is that I am planning to close down the Happy Home Birth Instagram account. I want to kind of consolidate things and maybe get off of some social media platforms, but one thing that you can do to make sure that you stay in touch is to hop onto my email list. Now, if you are interested particularly in Happy Home Birth Academy, a great way to join that email list is to go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash waitlist, and then you will be added to the email list and you will receive a notification once Happy Home Birth Academy reopens sometime towards the end of January. So just wanted to share that with you guys. Instagram is going to be closing down. We do still have the Facebook group right now, and that is Happy Home Birth Podcast Community. So be sure to join us there. All right, that is all I have for you. Before we jump into this podcast episode, please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical professionals, so continue to see your doctor, your midwife, or if you're like me, and Alyssa's husband, your chiropractor. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thanks, Caitlin. I'm super excited to be here. I'm thrilled to have you here. Would you mind starting by introducing yourself to the listeners? Uh, Sure. So my name is Alyssa and I live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I have three sons, a dog and two cats. Um, (laughs) I am married and I'm a stay-at-home mom and my husband's actually in school full-time right now to be a chiropractor. Oh, very very nice. Yeah. You know, I love chiropractors. Yes, I do. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So your story starts back in 2004, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So I would love to hear about your first pregnancy and birthing experience. It seems like a pretty atypical experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 2004, obviously it was 16 years ago. So I was a teen mom. Um, I became pregnant when I was 17 and had my son when I was 18. Um, so it was right in the, um, during my senior year of high school. Um, uh, when I think back, I, it's kind of hard to remember all the details, but I was actually unaware that I was pregnant for the first few months. I don't exactly remember when I realized, um, because it was not uncommon for me to miss a period here or there because I was really up into sports. And when I was running a lot, I noticed sometimes I would miss a period. So I just kind of chalked it up to 
me running a lot and trying really hard since it was my senior year of high school. So I actually ran a whole season of cross country pregnant and began, yeah, and even began playing basketball, um, which obviously is a little scary, but I was already very active. So, um, so it wasn't too bad. Um, I do remember having a lot of back pain. And I think one of the things that initially made me question what was going on was a boy at high school in school commented that my breasts were bigger and I was not a very well endowed person. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And so, (laughs) and then a a couple of, and other symptoms, like, you know, I didn't feel well. I was, uh, I drank a lot of Pepto-Bismol, which is not good. Um, anyway, and that all kind of led me to realizing that I was pregnant, um, which I then kept a secret for six months from everyone. Wow. Yeah. From your, from your family. Every, yeah. Every single person, not one person knew. Um, and went to school, continued to play sports, continued to do all my extracurricular activities, was on the homecoming court, did everything like normal. Um, obviously didn't go to any prenatal, uh, appointments or see a doctor. Um, I had never even been to an OB before. So all that was very new to me. Um, so it was actually uh, during a basketball game that I played in and a halftime show that I danced in for palms when everybody found out I was pregnant. <laughs> and I mean, everyone, <laughs> like the whole audience in oh school, because I was visually pregnant. I'm not My belly really didn't grow. It really, like, once everyone found out, my belly really began to grow. But Mm -hmm. other than that, I was pretty good at concealing it um, with, you know, the clothes I wore. But I really wasn't able to while I was playing in a basketball game or that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was December 6th, 2003. Everybody found out. I remember the day. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And, um, I actually, we had, um, a dance, a state dance competition the following Saturday. And, um, I remember I wasn't going to go because I was kind of mortified and every, my dance team and all my friends were all super supportive and super sweet. And they wanted me to come regardless. And I didn't go and I missed a couple of days of school just to kind of process everything. And, but I was so, lucky that everybody supported me like nobody really said anything bad um which obviously that's why you keep things like this a secret because you're worried what people are going to say right but also like when I think back on it I'm so glad I kept it a secret because I think people could have maybe persuaded me to do things that I didn't want to do or wouldn't normally do um Mm -hmm. that a lot of teen pregnant teens do. Um, so I'm, I'm actually grateful that I, I, uh, was able to keep the secret as long as I did. And I, and I, and I don't know if this fits within your show, but I did, I did actually, after everyone found out, I wasn't sure what to do. I didn't have a doctor. So, um, my son's dad and I, we went to Planned Parenthood because that's kind of where we thought you go when you're a teen and Mm -hmm. you're pregnant. And I didn't, I thought I was thinking they would give me an ultrasound or tell me what I need to do and that sort of thing. And I went there and they measured my belly and they, you know, had a little dial that they told me how far along I was on. And then basically said there wasn't anything they could do for me. And I left with maybe a pamphlet on adoption or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I remember being really like shocked because I, I didn't, I still didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go find a doctor. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I knew nothing about birth. Um, wow. Yeah. So anyway, my mom actually suggested her OB. And so I ended up seeing my own mother's uh, doctor, which was kind of funny. Um, but he was great. And they took me on with being, I would assume now thinking back high risk. I mean, I hadn't had any care or taken any vitamins or anything. And I was six months mm-hmm. or more along. But so I started seeing a, just a regular OB. Um, 
I was not aware of natural or like of, you know, home birth <laughs> and probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have at that point in time been interested in that. But um, so, yeah, so that was about the six month mark. And then um, other than just, you know, normal stuff, everything went pretty good. Um, and it was about at 37 weeks. I, so I was going to school still full-time high school and I was working part-time. I got a part-time job to start making some money and stop playing sports and that sort of thing, obviously. Uh, but I was working one night and I just worked at a local convenience store and I was on my feet a lot and I just kind of felt a little funny. I just felt like a little off and but I didn't think anything of it. So it was only 37 weeks according to my due date. And Um, I went home, went to bed and all night long, I kept waking up having to go to the bathroom and number two, go to the bathroom or felt like I had to go number two. And I was just like, that's odd. Um, and so like five o'clock rolls around five 30 in the morning and I randomly throw up. And I remember my sister told me, cause she had had one child and was actually pregnant at the same time I was at this time. And she had told me that she randomly threw up when she was in labor. Mm. And so I was like, I just like out of nowhere threw up. I got sick. And I'm like, let me call the doctor and see if I need to come in. So I called and they're like, just come in. We'll check you out. So I'm not really rushing, but I get ready to go to the doctor, go to the hospital. And on the way there, I'm still in denial that I'm in labor, (laughs) but the contractions are really strong. And we don't, we realize we don't actually know where the birth center is because we'd never been there. So mm-hmm. we went to my OB's office, which was a couple, a uh, couple blocks away from the hospital, the birthing center or the birth care center at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And my son's dad is running all over the place and nobody is there because they're not open yet and trying to figure out where we're supposed to go. And so they told us it was a couple of blocks down. So we walk there and I'm, <sighs> in labor, but don't think I'm in labor. Mm -hmm. And I had to stop in the middle of the road to have a a contraction, which was exciting. And so we get in there and I'm like, I think I'm in labor, but not really sure. And they're like, okay, we'll just check you. You know, they put me in a room, put me in a gown, put me in in a small side room. And when they came in and checked me, I was dilated to 10. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So uh, not only were you in labor, yeah, you were. It was go time at the tail end of labor. <laughs> yep. Yeah, oh, and so wow. was, we were like really shocked because I, yeah, expected it to be way more painful. First of all, and yeah, I knew t- I knew that ten centimeters meant baby's coming. Right. So mm-hmm. okay. So you are you're ready to go. What happens? So basically they, by the time, so by the time we get there, it's probably like 645 is like probably the time in the morning that we get into the hospital. Like we figured out. So, um, then they rushed me over to the, the room that you give birth in and my OB. So this is like an OB's office that I was a part of. And so my doctor wasn't on call, but another doctor was, which I know is really common. And I had never met that other doctor, but he was the doctor on call. So we get rushed into the room, put into the bed. And um, basically everything else was, it was really fast and it was kind of a blur, but doctor comes in um, and introduces himself, never met him before. And uh, he says, he's going to break my water. I agree because I, or I don't know if I even agree. It just happens, which actually Mm -hmm. felt good. Like it was a relief and they, he administered a local anesthetic, which I don't even still know what that was, but I got like a local Mm -hmm. shot in that area, Mm -hmm. um, which was all kind of done, not really with or without my consent just kind of happened. Um, and then remember this was in 2004. Things are, I know a lot different now, but, um, and if I recall, they like asked me to push like right away, like I'm um, asked me to push twice. And I know now that I didn't have the urge to push. I know what that is now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I know then I know now that I didn't, but I was, pu- I pushed twice and they were like, you know, 
and then at that point in time, all I remember is the doctor saying, I'm just going to make a little incision right here. And I remember screaming, no, mm. but it was too late. He had already done it. So I had an episiotomy and I'm so to preface a lot of my life, I'm really, I'm really, really afraid of needles. Like I have a phobia or something. I'm, I cry still. I'm 34 years old and I still cry <laughs> when mm-hmm. I see needles or talk about them. But so I was, so I like said, no, but he did it. And then I think I, they had me push again, but then they said they needed to vacuum the baby out and I didn't, I assumed that needed to happen. So I said yes. And they vacuumed the baby out and I pushed one more time and there he was. And luckily he was healthy. Um, He did have a big purple bruise on the top of his head from the vacuum. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so it was about 15 minutes, give or take, from the time they checked me to when my baby was in my arms. Like it was that fast. Uh, And that was riddled with (laughs) unnecessary intervention. Oh gosh. And you know what the funniest thing is, is I, for the longest time, was so proud of my natural birth because Mm -hmm. everybody had um, epidurals, you know? Right. And so I was like, yeah, I had natural birth. It wasn't that bad. I was totally traumatized by the episiotomy. Right. That I used to say that was the stitches were the worst part. I'd give birth over stitches any day, um, which I still actually agree with that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But but yeah, I used to like have so much pride about my natural birth. Um, But it really wasn't until I had my second son 13 years later that I realized my first son was quite literally taken out of my body mm. and I didn't even, you know, know. And I don't think there was any real reasons because they didn't have me hooked up to any monitors. They didn't say anything. There wasn't any concern over the baby. I just think because I was already at 10 centimeters and I hadn't already been in their care leading up to that point, they just felt like they needed to get the baby out Ugh, for yeah, whatever reason. Yeah. That, that's what it sounds like. That is, that is highly traumatic, you know, hearing it, but when you experience it, or as you, as you transition from this first baby to 13 years later, having your second, did you mm-hmm. ever, did you process that in any way? Yeah. I mean, I, I realized what happened mm-hmm. once I got pregnant with my second And I looked back and, and, and I was looking at a natural birth. I just assumed I I knew I was, I knew I was never going to have an epidural ever because Mm -hmm. it's a needle and I didn't (laughs) want shots or anything. So I knew I was having natural births and I had already done it once, but then I realized, whoa, that was not a natural birth. It was full of interventions in the teeny tiny window that it was. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Well, so, okay. So 13 years later, you are pregnant with your second. What was, what was that experience like? Totally different. (laughs) Um, did did you hide it? (laughs) No, this one was planned. (laughs) So I was married, uh, and we got married in 2015 and, uh, we decided to grow our family. This was about when my husband had started to go back to school for chiropractic. And we were kind of like, we're going to have one now or wait five years. And I'm like, I'm not waiting five years. I've already waited 13. So we, um, decided to start trying and, um, I actually got off birth control in that June of 20, it would have been 2016. And, um, although we had thought it would take longer and kind of we're hoping to, because there's like a detox window, um, Mm -hmm. once you're off birth control, uh, but we got off because we thought it could take a while. Well, it didn't. We got pregnant the first <laughs> month. <laughs> um, so we were still very excited uh, about that. Um, and at this point in time, we had moved. So we're from Iowa, but we had moved down to Texas for a couple of years. And um, we were living in Texas at this time. And luckily, my sister-in-law lived down there, too. And she had, uh, and I'm trying to remember if we knew we were pregnant yet, but either she was still pregnant or just had her baby with a midwife down there. So luckily we had, I knew someone who went to a midwife and I felt comfortable going with that same midwife because she had a cool experience, I thought. And it was like a midwife who had her own little practice. And so you delivered at her practice and she was the only one, the only midwife that worked there. Gotcha. So totally different from hospital birth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so we started, I mean, it's pretty uneventful. We started our care with her pregnancy was pretty normal. Um, and, uh, we did have one funny thing is we did have, there's like a, a test you can get for genetic abnormalities or chromosomal abnormalities. I, I can't remember what it's called, but you get it really early on and you can find the gender out too. So mm-hmm. we actually um, had that test done, but we opted out for most other tested and really wanted to limit ultrasounds as well. But um, we had our gender reveal, which was uh, fun and found out we were having a boy, but I was so adamant that I was having a girl that I called my midwife to confirm that they didn't make a mistake (laughs) after our uh, reveal, which was really funny. And I'm sure they thought I was crazy, but they did not make a mistake. He was a boy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so anyway, yeah, my husband thinks I'm crazy for that, but that's okay. (laughs) But yeah, so we did do minimal testing and that sort of thing, but we did do the 20-week anatomy scan, and we actually found out from that that the baby had what was called bilateral, um, and I don't know if I pronounce it right, choroid cysts on mm-hmm. the brain, um, which at that time I knew nothing about, and so it freaked me out and initially made me want to do additional testing and that sort of thing um, because basically they say – it majority of time resolves itself and it's not an issue and only in rare cases isn't in an issue but when it's an issue it's a pretty bad issue like the baby may not may or may not make it Mm -hmm. and of course when you google things and you're pregnant you sometimes your mind assumes the worst right so um luckily though even though my husband was telling me this the whole time finally I like just felt like a piece with it and I was like it doesn't matter we don't need to do any additional testing because there's nothing you can do for it. Um, mm. All it does is lead way to more intervention and more testing like amniocentesis and different things if they were to find something else out. So eventually I finally came to like a calming point where I was like, it doesn't matter. I would never terminate for me personally. I would never terminate for that type of thing anyway. So we'll just let it be. And so we moved right. forward from that. It was a scary time, but we moved forward from that. And then Around 28 weeks, we moved back to Iowa, which was fun to do a cross-country move when you're 28 weeks pregnant. Wow. <laughs> and a bit yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, we had to leave the care of our midwife, and we came back here, and in Iowa, where I live anyway, there's really no birth center. There are no birth centers. Um, there are midwives who do home births, but at that time, I was actually open to a home birth, but I uh, was really uncomfortable birthing in our rental house, which was my, my, uh, brother-in-law's house. And it just seemed Mm. weird to me. So I didn't (laughs) want to do that. So I received a recommendation for a local OB who has her own private practice delivers at the hospital, but she delivers all her own babies. So that's great for sure. We'll have her right. And she is super open to natural birth. Uh, a lot of people, she's like really supportive, uh, VBAC and that sort of thing. So I decided Mm. to go with her. Um, and, and like, so we're super country, like we're kind of far out there sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So we didn't jive on everything. Like she was really good with, uh, you know, natural birth, but not so good on delayed cord clamping. We kind of went rounds Mm -hmm. with that. She was more so like three minutes is enough. And we were like, really want to deliver the placenta before we cut the cord. So we had to compromise Mm -hmm. on a few things. One thing I got her to agree to was me not having to wear the belly monitor when in labor. Oh, that's great. I had to sign off on that. Yeah. Well, it was great until I was in labor, but. Oh, no. Uh, So she was, she was good with a lot of different things. She may or may not have agreed, but she was quote unquote allowing, you know, allowing it. Right. Right. Um, But otherwise, like the appointments were here pretty typical OB appointments and that sort of thing. But she was super, she was good. So, yeah. So since my first son was born at 37 weeks, I just kind of assumed this one would be early. Um, and prayed it would be early. <laughs> it was really <laughs> uncomfortable, but, um, my due date came and went and I had my appointment with my OB and she, you know, offered to sweep my membranes, which I was like, no, I don't want any intervention. So I declined. 
And she was really, she wanted to induce me at 41 weeks if I hadn't had the baby by then, which I pretty much told her, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but she, she, she uh, scheduled it anyway, which I understand from her perspective as well. But mm -hmm. she did schedule anyway. Um, so I was scheduled to be induced on 41 weeks one day, which would have been a Saturday. And so the Thursday before rolls around and at, I'm working from home at this point in time, full time. And uh, I'm just like really upset and crying and I'm uncomfortable and I want to not be pregnant and I don't want to get induced and just really emotional. And then in the morning and then at 11 o'clock in the morning, I lose my mucus plug. Uh. And then I'm like crying because I'm so happy that I lost the mucus <laughs> plug. I'm like, okay, I think things are going to happen. Um, which I, that hadn't happened the, with my first pregnancy. So that was new. Um, but yeah, so nothing really happened that day. I did take a nap, which was kind of odd for me, but, um, in the afternoon, but then later at night at like 10 45, we're laying in bed, watching a show and I'm like snuggling with my cats. And all of a sudden I hear this loud pop, like it is so loud and it's from within my body and <sighs> a heat wave just runs through my whole entire body. And I just remember like looking at my husband, did you hear that? Like, how could you not hear that? That was like the loudest noise ever. And I didn't have a rush of fluid or anything, but I got out of bed and went to the bathroom right away. But, um, I never had like a gush of liquid or anything, but that was my water breaking. Um, and then immediately after my contractions started and they were consistent. So at 10 45 at night, they started. So I just like the, I, my, my, uh, OB like was all about laboring at home as long as you can. But I know she had a, when your contractions were like maybe five, five something, I don't know what they were, but when your contractions were a certain time frame apart, she wanted me us to come in. Cause she assumed, she assumed I'd have a really fast birth because I had a fast birth before and didn't right. know I was in labor. So I knew I was in labor the moment it started. Um, and I just labored at home, laying in bed and laying over my bed. And I told my husband to rest. And I think probably it was about two in the morning. I was, my knees just got a little wobbly and I'm like, I think it's time to go into the hospital. Cause we lived about 30, 30 to 40 minutes away from the hospital. So I'm like, we should probably start going. So I call my mom to come sit with my older son. And, um, we kind of like packed up our stuff and headed off to the hospital. And then of course that car ride in is rough. And mm -hmm. so then those contractions, I feel like they just picked up and I think they were like three minutes apart in the car ride, if I can remember correctly. And they were real strong. Um, so yeah, so we get to the hospital like three o'clock in the morning and I'm like really not able to talk through contractions anymore. And they wheel me up to the, you know, to where you get checked in and, First thing they say when I tell them my name is, oh, you're not supposed to be here until tomorrow because this was Friday morning and I was scheduled <sighs> to be induced on Saturday morning. So it's like 3 a.m. Friday morning. And they're like, you're not supposed to be here till tomorrow. And I was like super annoyed. And um, <laughs> so we're explaining to them what's going on and that we think my water popped, even though I didn't have a rush of fluid. And the nurses just kept saying, well, we'll see if you're in labor. Maybe you're in labor. Um and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm totally in labor. Like, check me in. So they finally get us in our room. I mean, it doesn't take too long, but they get us in our room and they check me and I'm only at four centimeters and I just start bawling because I think they're going to send me home. And because I, I, I don't know why I had in my head that you had to be at five to stay five centimeters. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, are you going to send me home? And they're like, no, no, we'll keep you. And so, um, but I really thought I would be further along. Um, but yeah, so we kept going back and forth with the nurses about everything and they made me wear the belly bands, even though I told them I had approval from my OB not to wear them. And they just said they had to get one reading, which they never got by the way. Right. Um, so basically I labored and I never could get comfortable. And, um, even when I took the belly bands off, they told me to put them back on, put me in the ones that are mobile so you can move around um and the I, I'm like honestly those really messed with my mind state because they mm -hmm. felt 
so tight. Like I don't understand how anybody wears them. I'm a little weird about like different clothing though. So they were just extremely uncomfortable. Um, and I had to have my blood drawn during labor because we realized that my midwife in Texas didn't do a test for like a blood test for S different STDs, like HIV mm -hmm. and such. So while I was in labor, they came and drew my blood for that, Oof. which I knew was going to happen, but I hate needles. So it was just like one more thing. And they just constantly were asking me questions. And my husband's like, can't I ask, answer these for her? And they're like, no. And basically like they would not leave me alone. Um, and I even like called, dropped a few F-bombs during some <laughs> contractions, probably a lot of F-bombs. And I even had one nurse tell me how my baby was going to come out knowing quite the language. And I was just oh like, Oh my word. Yeah. I like wanted to say the F word to her. I was just yeah. like, are you kidding me right now? So. It Whoa. It's like, it's like these people like have never been around I know. labor when it's their job to be around labor. Like, how does that even work? What, uh, what a mess. And she was a nurse for 24 years. Just putting that oh out my there. Gosh. She was just, Cause oh. she was arguing with us and had to tell us how long she'd been, uh, uh, <laughs> a nurse in the maternity ward. So she knew everything. Of course she did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. uh, yeah. And I, so I think eventually they like checked me again and there, I, they just said I needed to like soften up on one side. I, I didn't really even know what they were talking about, but they had me get back out of the bed and, um, like my cervix, I needed to have it softened on one side. So they wanted me to do figure eight. So I get out of bed and I'm doing figure eights and all of a sudden, um, I'm starting to experience fetal ejection reflex, which I never had felt before. I couldn't stop pushing. And mm -hmm. I guess they told me to stop pushing. I don't remember it. There was no stopping it. Right. And so they like, you know, had me get up on the bed really quick, you know, and laying down, which is not what I wanted, not in the position I wanted to be. And I was really, really upset. And because I was so uncomfortable and like everything was just going crazy and I never could relax or calm down since I got there. Not to mention, I get actually really anxious just walking into a hospital normally. Mm -hmm. So when I know I'm going there for me, I'm just extra stressed. But anyway, so the OB comes in, like, you know, as I'm starting to push because she didn't realize things were going so fast. And I, I think I pushed like twice and the head was delivered. And I remember when I was pushing they are right before I started pushing, they were like, you need to hold your legs up. And I'm like trying to hold my own legs up by my head. And I'm just like, I can't physically do this. Please help me. I'm like begging someone to help me at this point. And mm -hmm. so finally they like pull my legs up. My husband holds my other legs up. But every time I push, I'm like straightening my legs out, kicking people <laughs> and trying, like, all I can say is I was trying to escape my own body. Like I was trying to run <sighs> away from my own body in this whole experience. And luckily once like someone's my OB came in, I was, I said something about the bands and she luckily ripped them off me, which then she was like, you know, she said something about why am I even wearing them, but she luckily ripped them off. And then, yeah, so I pushed twice, the head was born and I, and I was still basically freaking out. It's the only way I can describe it. Um, and I just remember her tone change and she said, you need it. She said my name, Alyssa, you need to push right now. And I was like, I regained some control. And I was like, I do not need to push right now. But when I need to push, I will push, which will be in 30 mm -hmm. seconds. And like, because <laughs> I knew in my mind, like, do not push unless you have the urge. Like I had that ingrained in my brain because I did not want to tear because the episiotomy was so traumatic. I mm -hmm. really did not want to tear. And I knew I needed to just push only when I needed to push. So I pushed again and the baby was born and everything was fine the cord was around his neck that's why she, i guess that's why she wanted me to push right immediately mm -hmm. um so yeah so he was born and they cut the cord right away you know i think we waited three, we waited until it stopped pulsating quote unquote i think it was like three minutes <laughs> yes. um and i was just so i remember right after he's born i'm just like thank god thank god and then i'm apologizing to the nurses and doctors i'm like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and because I'm just like, I felt like I was so horrible. I just felt like I was like this terrible patient. And um, so they hand me my baby and I'm holding him and I'm like, he's huge. He feels huge. I like feel how big he is before I see him. I was really exhausted. And my husband takes a picture 
picture and this picture is like miserable. I look miserable. I look terrible. It's just awful. And, but of course it's sweet. Cause I'm holding my baby. And, um, I just remember thinking I'm never doing this again. It was so horrible. Like I'm never, ever giving birth again, not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I was in shock about what yeah. just had happened to my body. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. So anyway, then of course I'm hemorrhaging according to my OB. So she wants to give me Pitocin, which I'm just like out of it. Don't care. Go ahead. Give me right. Pitocin. The baby's out. I don't care. Really, I think she just wanted to speed the delivery of my placenta up, but I didn't realize at the time. I didn't really know anything about uh, Pitocin. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we had already planned on leaving the next day. They knew that. Everybody knew that we were going to leave the next day. Like we want to leave as soon as possible. Um, And uh, I was, I hurt my back really bad in labor. Like, so I really had time moving around. I actually didn't like move much at all the whole time we were there. I just stayed in bed. And um, when the baby was born, we had no problems like declining uh, vitamin K or the, um, uh, I mm-hmm. goop erythromycin. Yes. We had no issues or the hepatitis B shop. We had no issues with that. We signed a little document and they didn't give us any tr- trouble, but then the next day. So, Oh, so he was born at four eighteen in the morning. So I got there at okay. three in the parking lot at three and he was born at four eighteen. Wow. So, I, so even though and I was again, I just seemed <laughs> Yeah. And it just seems like you're not spending any time at these hospitals and you are still like having to fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so in less than an hour, like in an hour, all like, I mean, there's even more, but yeah. So, so yeah. So the next day, um, we're like packing up, getting ready to go. And they're like, Hey, you just can't leave until we get your blood test results back that we took when you're in labor. And I'm like, okay, no problem. We're going to just continue packing up, getting ready um, moving slow. And so the nurse came, comes in and says, we got your test back. And this one, things kind of go crazy. She says, I have hepatitis B and we're just like, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, the infectious disease person has to come in and talk to you. And we're like, okay. And so we have the infectious disease person come in and just explain it. And I'm just like shocked. I mean, I haven't really slept in two days. I had a traumatic birth. I'm still not even sure what's going on. Like, I just don't know what's going on. I'm trying to nurse a baby and that's not going very well either. Um, and right. my OB eventually comes in and we're just like, could this be wrong? This is, doesn't make sense. Like my history, I was a teen mom, but I was never promiscuous. So this doesn't make sense to me at all. And like, of course, now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, did I give my baby hepatitis B? Did I give my husband? I went to Thailand a few years ago. Did I get it there? Like how, how would this happen? I don't know. It was just weird. Like all the different thoughts that go in your head and we're like, could it be wrong? And she's adamant that no, it can't be wrong. And we're like, we retest me, retest me. And they're like, no. And then we're asking questions and we find out through a Google search, by the way, and through talking to my husband's uh, uncle, who's also a chiropractor, that technically they only, I only, the blood test was positive for surface antigen, which apparently there are three different types of blood tests that need to be positive for them to say you have hepatitis B. It's not just mm-hmm. one thing. So there's three things. And I, they had only said one of them was positive, but they were telling me I had it. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And we just Googled, I mean, like we're just Googling this and talking to my husband's uncle. And so the hospital's pediatrician actually calls us and threatens legal action says they'll get a warrant to take our baby away from us. Um, they tell me my baby's going to die because the whole problem was, is we declined hepatitis B shot. And now Mm -hmm. they say we need to get one before we leave the hospital. Um, and I'm just like, so tell me, and, and I was like, so what are the ingredients in the, in the hepatitis B? Cause we knew we didn't want it, but to be honest with you at that point in time, we hadn't really researched it a ton. Um, so we're like, what are the ingredients? And the OB just kept saying it's cultivated in yeast. It's safe. It's cultivated in yeast. And we're like, well, how long does the incubation period for hepatitis B? How long is that? Uh, and they can tell us. And I'm like, well, if it's a week, why don't you let us leave? We'll, we'll make a sound decision rather than right. one that's bullied. Mm-hmm. And so Anyway, they even like told us a story about how they got a warrant to force someone into a C-section. Like it was crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Um, do, do they, they put that in their commercials? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the heck? It was great. It was, it was so crazy. So eventually we got them to agree to, te- to test my original blood and to do the other tests. Like we finally got them to understand. And like, we had to bet, we had to force them though. They were not really willing to do this. And, um, so anyway, we were there like all day. They came back in later and drew my blood again. It took like eight vials, which I told the guy, I'm like, I hate my blood being drawn. He's like, how can you have a baby? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Uh, and then when they even came in to do my, my blood again, they messed up and were missing one of the tests. So my husband had to specifically tell them on the label, you're missing one. And they had to have one brought up. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So they let us go. We had to sign an agreement to leave. Um, since we were a walking risk to society, according (laughs) to them and my baby was going to die. Uh, so we had to sign like some sort of harm, hold harmless or something, which we're like, whatever, like we had to ask to do that. Like, let us leave. We want to leave. So mm-hmm. we left and, um, I had a hard time nursing after that. And actually our son had like a dehydration scare on being three days old. And I think, I think honestly, just the stress of this situation really contributed to that. For um, sure. because then it was a following the Wednesday following that birth, my OB called and she said, we got the original blood test back and there was just the one, the surface antigen, and it was negative. So she thought what? the whole thing was negative. Yeah. And they just needed to test the rest. And so on that phone, I like instantly break down bawling and literally my milk comes in on that phone call. Like I feel, I physically feel my milk come in. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, and then on the Friday following, so when my baby was a week old, I got a call that they got the rest of the results back and they had actually given me somebody else's results in error. I am so disturbed. <laughs> I'm so mm-hmm. disturbed by this. Mm-hmm. Holy Which is cow. like, if we wouldn't have pushed, I would be mm-hmm. walking around today. If my husband hadn't been there, I would have caved for sure. I would have mm-hmm. just been like, I have this. It doesn't make any sense. I am out of it. Maybe later on, I would have questioned it when I was more sound of mind, but I would have caved. My son would have gotten the shot. And mm. what I would think I have hepatitis B. I would think that Gosh. like any other no- person probably would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and who knows if the person who technically did get a positive knows that they, if they know, yeah. What a mess. Oh my gosh. So okay. but my baby was healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah I, but and after that, such, I'm like, okay. Such a, such a traumatic event. Um, what so so you had decided at that point okay you know come hell or high water next time we're we're having a home birth yep oh yeah oh yeah and i okay we're not having one then but oh well but i mean gosh who would have who would have expected those kinds of situations especially when you thought you had an ob that was going to be working with you. Mm -hmm. um so i would love for us to talk about your your next experience sure so we wanted our kids to be like two or three years apart and we were creeping up on that past that part really. Um, and then I know you, um, I'd started tracking my cycle in January of 2019 so that we could start getting aware of when my ovulation was. And then we started to try in April or May of 2019. Um, and we found out we were pregnant on June 22nd, actually. Uh, and, um, so that pregnancy, uh, you know, everything initially progresses normal. Um, we were trying, we got pregnant right away. Basically I had the typical symptoms. I was tired, craving apple fritters all the time. <laughs> and, um, but I know, I noticed with this one, uh, even though I wasn't very far along, I like was really hesitant to tell people like even my very closest friends uh, or family. So I actually hadn't told any of my family yet that we were pregnant. And I told a couple of friends and I had met a friend for lunch, one of my best friends. And I just, during the whole point of the lunch was for me to tell her I was pregnant. And the whole time I'm just like, I don't want to tell her. I don't want to tell her. I don't want to tell her. And for some reason I didn't want to tell her and it was weird. And I, I finally just told her at the end. And I just remember like, that was weird. Why didn't I want to tell her? And so, and, it, and this pregnancy was differently different. Again, we thought it was a girl because apparently I think all my babies are girls. And, um, my husband was really engaged like early on with my belly and talking to the baby and calling the baby by their name and, um, like touching my belly, my belly. And he's just not, not like that. Like 
even my belly's big and you can see and feel he's just really not he's just not into it that much <laughs> um so that was just a little different and then around nine or ten weeks um it was sunday night and um after intercourse i noticed i had a decent amount of blood and i hadn't even hired my midwife i had contacted her and we set a date to meet but um so i had a midwife who does home birth in the area who i already reached out to but we hadn't even met hadn't hired her nothing but i messaged her because i didn't know what else to do and i was like is that normal and she said you know just it could be just keep watching and so I continued to like, you know, spot for the next few days. And on Tuesday, I'm like, I just want an ultrasound. I'm 10 weeks. We should be able to, we should be able to see a heartbeat. I felt like, so we went to the ultrasound and uh, the tech was so sweet. Like I'm crying when I get in there because I don't know what's going on. And she's so sweet. She like hugged me and she like even had tears. I just, that was a really sweet moment for me. And um, they just, she was like, are you sure you're not right? You're uh, right on your dates. And I'm like, I know for sure when I conceived, cause I had to have my husband come home. Cause he's gone Monday through Friday, um, for school out of town. Cause we live an hour and a half away from the school. So I had to have him come mm. home during the week. Like I know the date we conceived. And so I know I'm not wrong. And, and, um, they found out the baby was only measuring six weeks, one day. And, mm. and even though I thought it was 10. And so they're like, it could be a miscarriage. It might not. Maybe you're just off. I'm like, I know I'm not off. Um, so Wednesday morning, I take my son to daycare and I'm working, I work from home again. So I'm at my computer. I'm pretty sure I'm on a phone call actually. Um, and I'm a, a lot that morning and, um, I'm having spotting still, and I'm starting to have cramps, um, that, which get pretty uncomfortable. And, uh, I'm like going to the bathroom a lot and, um, in retrospect, I realized those were contractions, didn't realize you would feel contractions. Um, and then at 11 in the morning, sorry, I had a feeling I would get emotional. And then at 11, um, I'm sitting at my desk, I'm on a phone call and I feel like a burst, um, a, a burst. And so I go to the bathroom and, you know, there's a lot of blood. And so I knew at that point I was miscarrying, but so I just sat in the bathroom and cried and I uh, called my husband and had him come home and um, I just pretty much labored in, in the tub and or on the uh, on the toilet and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really understand what that's like. I know my midwife said, you'll know it'll be a lot of blood and, and she was right. It was a lot and it was really scary. And um, so, yeah, so uh I thought that day um, that I had passed everything. Um, you know, I you have a lot of clots and a lot of different things, but when you're sitting on a toilet, it's kind of hard to tell what's all going on. Um, right. So I just rested that whole day and like rested in the bath and um, and then things start to get a little bit better the next day and I'm starting to feel a little bit better. And then Friday, I, I'm feeling pretty pretty physically good emotionally not so much but um and we like we go out to dinner and I'm just not feeling very good at dinner and um but I just assumed everything was over on Wednesday um and then Saturday morning we're going we go to the chiropractor in about 30 minutes after the chiropractor we're actually gonna take our son to a museum and I'm driving to the museum after my adjustment and I start experiencing more gushes of blood as I'm driving. And so I send them in to go for a few minutes and I was just going to see what was going on. And I just kept continuing to lose blood. So we headed home, which was an hour and a half away from our house and uh, called my midwife. And she said, you know, if it's over a cup, an hour, you or start feeling faint. Um, you need to go to the ER. And we got home and I started measuring with a bowl on the toilet and it was definitely over a cup an hour for many hours. So, um, we got nervous and went to the hospital, which I hate hospitals. So, so we get there and I tell them immediately, I don't want a DNC, whatever I need to do for natural passing of anything. I want to do that. I don't want a DNC. And, um, anyway, uh, I'm still losing quite a bit of blood and I'm again in the hospital. They want to take my blood and do an IV and I'm, I'm kind of hysterical. If I'm being quite honest with you, I was just pretty upset. And, um, 
the the doctor there she does an exam and removes a piece of placenta which was stuck in the cervix um and immediately after that my bleeding stopped so that was what was causing so much blood um it was basically holding that open and um so they did a ultrasound and she comes back and um, i'm calmed down finally at this point and she suggests she doesn't ask me any questions and see how i'm doing she just suggests that we need to do a dnc and we ask we're like you know how much i'm i'm better now i'm not freaking out anymore um my bleeding actually stopped and how much uh tissue is remaining and she kept trying to use a lot of medical jargon, I think, to like trip us up. But my husband is in a doctoral program, so he knew everything she was saying and was like reiterating it back to her in layman's terms. And she didn't really <laughs> like that so much. And because um, <laughs> she really thought I needed the DNC. And finally, we're like, show us the ultrasound. Show me how much tissue is remaining. And then I'll make a decision, which she wouldn't show us. And she said we could come back the next day to get our records, which was weird. And finally, we got her to admit there was only a three centimeter piece of tissue remaining. <laughs> And I said, that's not worth it. That's not worth the DNC for me. I'm not, I wasn't going to do that. I'm, I'm, it'll pass. Like I learned that miscarriage doesn't just happen. Yes. It doesn't just happen always in one day. It can take Mm -hmm. time if you want it to happen naturally. And for me, I would prefer that. So, um, eventually they let us go home and the next day, you know, I, I passed a little bit more and, um, and then I had no, I had no complications, no issues. Um, I took over, I took some vitamins and supplements and things like that for iron. Um, I, I actually didn't lose too much blood with, which was shocking. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very emotional, big learning experience for me because I knew nothing yes. about miscarriage until my own. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, 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 <sighs> I'm really grateful that you were willing to share that because, you know, number one, I don't think that miscarriages are discussed as, I mean, as often as they're happening, we're not Mm -hmm. discussing them that often. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you for being willing to share this and for being willing to share what a natural miscarriage is like, because um, it, I think that, you know, I've heard from, from several friends who have, have been in that position who are naturally minded, just are just like, taken for like they're blindsided Mm -hmm. you know it's it's such a blindsiding and shocking experience and even just this idea of like yes you go into labor this this is still Mm -hmm. it's still labor and it's still giving birth and um all of the hormones and all the emotions that go with that plus loss it's just it it's so overwhelming um especially Mm -hmm. if you don't know that that's that's you know, that's how a miscarriage goes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and then wow. it's not, it's not, you know, still today, you know, it still hurts a year mm-hmm. later. Of course. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I, yeah, I just know that there are going to be so many people that, that appreciate that. Those who have, have been there and have experienced it, I know are just thinking Mm -hmm. like, yes, thank goodness for this information. And I I really appreciate that so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so So, as you're healing from that, what, what were your next steps? Well, we, well, you know, we knew we wanted a baby. um, So we, I, I, I would have preferred to wait longer before we conceived again, but we didn't want, I, I had this, you know, age gap in my mind. And so we were able to luckily conceive pretty quickly. I think, um, well, no, I know we conceived in October. So I had the miscarriage and on August 7th, and then we conceived in October and I actually found out on Halloween, which was funny. And it was my last day at work. I was actually leaving my job to be a stay at home mom at that point in time, oh. kind of like all the culmination of everything really made me decide that I just needed to be really home. Um, so yeah, so, um, we got pregnant fairly quick and, um, the, the one funny thing I wanted to add is the baby we miscarried was also a boy. So it wasn't a girl. We found out. Wow. (laughs) So that was kind of funny. Um, (laughs) And shocker, the third one, the the last one is a boy as well. Uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we conceived right away. We met our midwife, loved them. They jived with our style so perfectly. It was wonderful. 
Um, and so the midwife appointments are, everyone always says how different they are and they are so different and so lovely and so wonderful. And having a real relationship with those folks is, I don't think people will get it until you do it. It's just really amazing. Um, so yeah, I think everything during our pregnancy was pretty good, except I felt pretty sick and I'm kind of a grumpy pregnant person. So, um, <laughs> my husband and my older son says I can't have any more babies, uh, cause I'm grouchy, <laughs> but yeah, everything went really well. Um, we did do the anatomy scan, which we did not want to find out the gender, but it was funny because the technician kind of swiped a certain direction and I saw on the screen an undeniable boy <laughs> um but we kept it a secret unless anybody told us we didn't tell them the gender because everybody like tells me we should have a daughter so we knew it was a boy mm. but um yeah so everything progressed pretty normally and I just assumed I was gonna go to 42 weeks because my last one was born at 41 I just was like I'm gonna have it in my head 42 weeks so I don't get disappointed and I'll just fast forward because there's really not much in my, besides being grumpy um, in my <laughs> pregnancy. But so, yeah, so um, I'm, it's what, 39 weeks and three days, I think. And I have a midwife appointment and it's at 1230. And um, leading up to that day, it was funny because my mother, I, my mother-in-law wanted to help me somehow. And I said, hey, come clean my house on July 7th. Mm -hmm. And that would be so helpful. Like, come do the stuff because I can't bend over. Come do the stuff I can't do. Come clean my house on July 7th. And we had agreed like a couple of months ahead. But something came up where she couldn't come. And I'm like, and she wanted to come on the Friday following. And I was like, nope, not going to work. Uh, that's just not going to work for me. I want it done sooner. So don't worry about it. But then she ended up coming that Monday cleaning my house. And then on Wednesday that week, I showered and shaved my legs and washed my hair. And I remember wow. getting in the shower and told my husband, <laughs> I'm ready to have the baby now. <laughs> and so Thursday comes along and I have my midwife appointment. I take my uh, younger son with me to give my husband a break because actually from COVID, he ended up having online school. So he was home since March, which was mm -hmm. a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. Toddler, pregnant person, kind of challenging. So it was wonderful mm -hmm. to have my husband home. Yep. And so, yeah, so I go to my midwife appointment and everything's normal and we're talking and I'm, and I, we're just like, yeah, probably not going to be for a while, you know, probably got a little bit, probably going to go to 42 weeks. Everything seemed pretty normal. Um, although I was pretty uncomfortable. And the nice thing for me is there was, I never had a cervical check. They could have done mm -hmm. it if I wanted it, but I never did. And I kind of, I liked that a lot, which was different than the standard OB. So yeah, so I go there, 12.30, I leave and come home and I'm trying to sneak into the drive-thru to get an ice cream cone. And I like quickly <laughs> get off the phone with my husband because I don't want him to know I'm sneakily going to go get ice cream. And so I get off the phone with him quick and I pull into the parking lot and my water breaks. And this is at oh. like 1.45. <laughs> and so I call him right back. I'm like, oh my gosh, my water just broke. Pretty sure you need to come home and like, we'll get start getting set up and that sort of thing because he had ran some errands so I call my midwife back and I'm like uh I know I just left and we were just talking about how long it was going to be but my water just broke so start getting ready <laughs> um so yeah so I mean this birth is so wonderfully uneventful that mm -hmm. I just love it so much because I just came home we cleaned my house I was making sourdough so I finished baking bread which I thought was so cute and so like little house so homemaker <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, and I made some snacks and that morning I was telling my husband and it's this all makes sense now I was like we have to go grocery shopping and he just wouldn't pull mm -hmm. the trigger I don't know what the deal was he just wouldn't go with me I didn't want to go by myself and so we didn't go and I'm like go grocery shopping right now so he left and got <laughs> the groceries and uh yeah so we um my contractions didn't start right away it was probably an hour and a half later or maybe less than that but they were really easy manageable and I was in communication with my midwife because we thought things would go fast and I'm, I just kept saying yeah I'm doing fine like everything's fine I was tracking my contractions um and at some point I remember her saying my, my husband was like no you need to have them come you should have them come now mm -hmm. and 
I told her that I was like, my, I'm fine. But my husband seems to think you guys should come. And she's like, we tend to listen to the husbands. And I'm right. like, okay. <laughs> uh, whatever that means, but okay, I'm fine. And so, yeah. So my sister actually comes and picks up my youngest son uh, at like five 30, she leaves. And then my older son goes to a friend's house. Cause he does not want to, nobody wants to be home when mom's in labor. <laughs> Um, and I kind of didn't want anybody to be here either. Cause I just really wanted to relax. Like I wanted it to be totally different. I wanted to relax and mm-hmm. just do whatever and chill. So they left at five 30 and still things were not, I was having consistent contractions, but they were really man, really manageable. And I'm just like, I just want to go lay on my bed. I had my room set up. That was where our birth tub was. And I had salt lamps and candles and like spa like music playing and it was kind of a rainy day so it was just like perfect it was just perfect mm-hmm. and I just laid in bed and I think there's like a way you lay on your side with your leg up and I think it's part of the mile circuit if I recall mm-hmm. and I just laid like that and my husband rubbed my back and uh, I just labored in bed really calm and eventually he left the room and I hear people talking and I'm like oh my midwives are here <laughs> he called and so he's out there chit-chatting with them and he comes back in and is like, do you want to come out and talk to them? I'm like, sure. So I went out and sat down and talked to them and my contractions were getting a bit stronger. And uh, they were like, maybe we should go for a walk or do stairs. And um, I noticed they're watching me have a contractions. They're being really like incognito about it, but they're like watching me and I feel them watching me and I don't really want anybody <laughs> watching me. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I had one strong contraction. And then even though they were like, let's go for a walk. I'm like, I'm just going to go lay back in bed and be alone. So I went back to my bedroom and just labored there. And it was about 7.15 when I'm like, okay, somebody needs to be in here with me. So I text my husband, like, come in here. And I was like, maybe you should fill up the birth pool at 7.15. And I don't want to be alone anymore. And then my contractions started getting stronger and I was vocalizing through them a little bit. And um, I'm still tracking on my app. And I had to look back because I was curious on the time. I, I was like, I wish somebody was paying attention to my contractions. And they were. I just didn't know that because they were so calm and quiet in the corner. Mm-hmm. And so I look over and I notice one of the midwives is paying attention. So I'm like, oh, thank God I don't have to keep tracking this anymore. And I, that was at 738. It's the last um, contraction I, I uh, tracked. And so, uh, a little bit later, I'm like, okay, I can't lay down anymore. I have to move. So I'm trying to get comfortable and I can't. And I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. It just instantly, I just said, I have to go to the bathroom. And then in my head, I said, Nope, that's the baby probably coming. So we went to the bathroom and I got pushy one time and they're like, no, get back in the bedroom. So, um, then I came back in my room and, um, the birth tub wasn't full yet, but I was like, can I get in? So I got in and I just couldn't get comfortable. So I had my husband jump in with me, which he was not prepared to do because he had planned on catching the baby. Um, Mm -hmm. so I had him jump in to kind of like hold me. So I was leaning up and bracing up against him. And I just remember like, I'm kind of floating in the pool and I'm like, I don't want to push. And everyone's like laughing, like, no, you're going to have to push. And, uh, I started to, I basically pushed the baby out in what seemed like two big pushes, which I'm sure it was more than that. But I like, it was so nice to just have freedom to move. Cause I was laying on my back and I just knew I needed to get onto all fours. So I shifted onto my knees with my hands on my husband's shoulders. So I'm like face to face with him. Um, and I'm kind of loud. I'm not a quiet, I remember in one episode, someone's like, there's these quiet people who breathe out their babies. But she said she was a troll. I'm the troll (laughs) (laughs) is how I felt. I love it. Yeah. And so I'm like face to face with him and I have one big push and the head is born. Um, And then my midwife was like, you need to stand up. And so I'm like, okay, I'll stand up. And um, one more big push and baby's born. He was a little stuck and she did have to shift him a little bit because he was a nine pound, 12 ounce baby very big baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And so he was just born and I just sat in the tub and I held him and it was wonderful. And I wasn't sh- in shock and I wasn't out of control. And then I got to rest mm-hmm. in my bed afterwards and be taken care of and fed food and they cleaned everything and nobody took oh. my baby oh. away from me. It's so it amazing. Wonderful. 
Yeah. Just hearing, you know, hearing these experiences that you had that led to this event, you just deserved that birth. You just deserved such a sweet, calm, loving birth. It was so, it was so healing. And literally I was like, Oh, I can do this again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can do this again. Wow. Yeah, man. Alyssa, I cannot thank you enough for, for opening up, for sharing all of this, the, the funny parts, the hard parts, the traumatic parts. It, it is, I mean, it just such a comprehensive story and it means so much to me that you were willing to come on and share it. And like I said, I just, I just love that you were able to have this last beautiful home birth. So thank you so much for, for coming on. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it as well. What an incredible journey Alyssa shared with us today. As we head into today's episode roundup, I have three thoughts that I really want to delve into for just a second. The first one is that birth trauma is real and it can impact our postpartum, our bond, and our mental and physical health. This is a reminder that if you experience trauma or abuse with your care provider or nurses, you can report it and there can be serious consequences for these types of situations for mother and baby. And that means that those responsible should be held responsible. I think about Alyssa and the fact that she was prolonging her ability to allow her milk to come in with the stress that she experienced after her second hospital birth and just how traumatic that entire situation had to have been and how it impacted her from such an obvious physical standpoint. The second point that I want to bring up is that miscarriages are labor and miscarriages are birth. I am so grateful for Alyssa for sharing how her natural miscarriage happened, how she experienced it, and how it impacted her. I know so many of you have been in her shoes and my heart goes out to you. Your baby matters and your experience matters. And finally, there is light at the end of the tunnel. After several incredibly difficult experiences, Alyssa went on to have a glorious triumphant home birth, a birth that was a huge step in the direction of healing. And that is what I wish for us all. Thank you all so much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.